You are listening to CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. This is If You've Got Ears. If You've Got Ears is CKUT's experimental, forward-thinking, avant-garde, and most importantly, creative music uh, radio program every Wednesday at noon. The show has been on the air since 2003, presenting you with sounds that you will not hear anywhere else. And so we're asking listeners, of course, if you want to continue to hear this kind of music on the airwaves, to please donate. Uh, CQT's funding drive is currently underway. You can, of course, go to our website to make a donation, cqt.ca. You can mail us a check uh, to 3647 University Street, um, in Montreal, uh, you can also phone and, um, this show is pre-recorded, but there is someone manning the phones, um, might even be me in the future, <laughs> future me, 514-448-4013. Today we are honored to have on the show, uh, two, um, very, uh, beloved members of, uh, the creative music community in Montreal, uh, Eliza Caution and James Goddard. We asked Eliza to program this two hours, and uh, she insisted on having James on for um, a free-ranging conversation uh, that touches on all, on all things about both of their creative practices, uh, as well as some of James' work as um, a curator and promoter of live music. So we'll get right into that. Halfway through the interview or the conversation, uh, we'll play a selection uh, from James's project Skin Tone, and the show will end up with a mix of um, some of Eliza's favorite Montreal uh, music. It's an incredible mix, so I can't wait uh, for you to hear it. Again, make a donation, cqt.ca, or give us a call, 514-448-4013. Um, if you've got ears, you got to listen. Here's Eliza and James. It's uh, me, James, um, 90.3 FM, CKUT, broadcasting live from the, uh, from a, well, from everywhere now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from, I'm broadcasting from Ganesadaga currently. Um, I guess you're, you're up in Jojaga right now currently. Yep, in the, in the, in, a, in my basement apartment in the Mile End. Holding, holding on against the gentrification. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Um, so I guess for those of you who don't know or maybe aren't familiar, James is a local musician, performer, um, promoter, I guess. Is that, is that a bad word? Yeah, I, you put on shows. Yeah, I, put, I put on shows. Yeah, it's funny. I, 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 uh, I was talking to, to oh, I can't remember. I think I was talking to Backwash, actually. And, 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 and she said something about like promoters being shady. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I guess I'm part of that. But I try not to be shady in my dealings. So, um, uh, yeah, arts administrator, I guess, is often the <laughs> term I go to. Artist and it's like Hank Hill from the, the King of the Hill there, you know, like propane, <laughs> propane accessories. I'm like arts and arts adjacent accessories or whatever. Right on, right on. Um, cool. Well, yeah. Um, so Alex gave me this opportunity to 
to talk about some local artists and some people that I consider friends or people that I look up to. And immediately you came to mind because uh, I like to think of us as, as peers to a degree at this point. For, for sure, yeah, I, I would say, I would say, I, I, yeah, I, I, I would hope that we're, <laughs> that we consider each other peers. Yeah, um, so yeah, I, I've been living in Jojage on and off uh, for the past eight years. And in the last four or five years, I really started performing. And one of the first people I actually saw who kind of uh, turned on the light as far as like uh, what experimental music could be and how it could exist as um, in a live setting was you. And I had, it was a performance you had given at, uh, I believe it was The Plant. And this probably was like the winter of 2016 or early 2017 maybe. And uh, I had run into you at different shows, different noise events, jazz thingies, and then like punk rock shows. And so I was kind of familiar with your character, but we had never spoken or anything. And uh, seeing you perform that night was like a huge deal for me. And um, I, I can't really put into words just how much you uh, kind of val validated maybe is, is the term I'm looking for. The idea of what experimental music could be and the effect that it could have on a live setting. So um, I just wanted to tell uh, tell you that and thank you for all the wonderful performances and the time that we've known each other and for taking the time to speak to us today. Uh, wow, yeah, that's, I'm trying to think, what what year did you say it was? Um, I'm just trying to think which performance. 2016 or 2017, I believe. Okay, huh, I'm trying to think. I think you were performing with a guitar player, maybe. Oh, huh. Oh, oh, maybe it was, um, was there, me oh um hmm. i'm trying to think that i'm thinking that maybe it was a uh maybe it was a well okay maybe it was a, a duo with um with I, I i played in a duo for a while uh with with um the the local guitarist alex pelshat so it could have been that but I was also thinking that I played for a while. I had this trio with uh, Joni Sadler, and sometimes um, uh, this 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 uh, this other fellow, Mazzy Javidiani, um, and then sometimes uh, also Amy McDonald. And that was called Public Transit. And maybe it was Public Transit. Was there a percussionist involved in Public Transit? Yeah, there. Were, yeah, Joni Joni would hit the hit the old drums. Yeah, I think there was some percussion involved, but I, like I said, I was so fixated on what you were doing that uh, everybody else kind of took a back seat to, to my experience that night. Oh, you're, you're too kind. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, it's funny that you mentioned, uh, we're, we're, ju we're just going, we, we're just going free form. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's free form this. Uh, like, uh, it's funny that you mentioned La Plante because I, uh, um, I watched a performance video um, just the other day of 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 of, of uh, these bands from Newfoundland actually playing at La Plante, and my little heart just, I just like, st like, you know, like La Plante is so you La Plante has a has a presence as a place. You know, it looks like La Plante, it feels like La Plante. You're at La Plante. There's always like one roommate who's kind of grumpy going to the kitchen like in the middle of the show like cooking ramen just like, and then, like you know but then 
generally the vibe is very very nice there's there's always like little animals running around like somebody has a cat or somebody has a dog or something and 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 you know it's it's cozy and and you know and you know you get to just around midnight and whatever's playing the headliner's playing and the train comes right by and and you, you know it shakes the whole building and you you can hear it and, and those windows you just like those windows like are seared into my and the minute i i i i saw those windows in this performance video of of this uh, i think it was property or lo siento uh one of the two uh, punk bands from newfoundland and um <clears throat> just like literally my eyes welled up like like I, I like I was just like oh la plante yeah. um cuz that space is is has been um so special and 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 important to my 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 personal artistic development i think that that I, that was the first place i ever played uh solo um in my entire life um wow. so that was that was in in many ways that's where skin tone um, which is like my solo stage persona uh, was born. Right, right. Do you remember how how many years ago you've been that was, or what, how many years you've been using performing under skin tone? A good question. That's a good question. Um, I moved to Montreal, Jojoge, in um, two thousand and eleven, and I did not perform solo for probably the first two or three years. I had a, I had a project with, um, uh, it's funny, it goes full circle because I had a project that was born out of um, co- working with a fellow at the radio, at a radio station in Kingston. And so we had this, uh, this experimental duo called Pop Talk and our whole, <clears throat> our whole shtick was actually that we, um, uh, we scripted all our dialogue, like all our stage banter was like these little scripted bits um, that were kind of like absurdist comedy sort of, or just like really weird, but kind of funny maybe. And then we, <clears throat> we didn't script the, the music. Uh, like we didn't write the music. We just like fully freedomed and we, and we just like went harsh noise. Like we like just, I played the saxophone. I only had one pedal at the time. Uh, Through an amp, just cranked to 11. Nevin just ha- had his guitar. He had a hollow body. So, you know, you just kind of even look at the amp the wrong way and it starts feeding back. <laughs> and and so, we, and so we had all these scripted bits and then we just break into these noise breakdowns. Like the first time we played was at this gallery space in Kingston and it actually shook the building and the walls so much that all the art started falling off the walls. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. That sounds like the mo- totally right up my alley as far as, uh, as far as a live show scenario is concerned. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think necessarily the audience was, was prepared for, <laughs> for that. And we, we, we'd originally wanted to play the whole show with our backs to the audience, but we realized that that, is too disengaging it's too it 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 it, it, it doesn't work it's it's nobody likes looking at that it doesn't it doesn't work and it what but we were trying to like register some kind of anonymity so we were playing the whole so we played all our sets in balaclavas actually wow 
so we'd we'd do these scripted bits and then jump into this like super loud noise breakdowns and then like stop really hard do a scripted bit noise and anyways that was pop talk uh and so i was i was still doing pop talk when i moved to montreal um although eventually uh nevin left kingston and moved to uh, syracuse new york so uh the distance got a bit much and and he got a bit busy with his uh his master's program or whatever and um uh and then so yeah then i started public transit with joni sadler and mazi maziar javidiani uh that was the, the first lineup um of public transit and yeah we were kind of um people called us agit skronk i, I like that term uh where so it's like there was always these political overtones to everything we were doing um we like for for one of our our for a, a number of our sets one of our, our the main pieces we did we literally sampled um drones in Palestine like uh uh it's crazy to think back cuz this oh no we're freezing up for a second uh, I'll get James to. Oh, no, oh. you froze a bit there, James. Okay, no worries. Uh, just just a second. I have an idea because I have an Ethernet cable. Yes, um, very I, good idea. Uh, so I'm I'm just gonna just, give me one second. And Remember where you were in that Ethernet. story. <laughs> Drones over Palestine. Drones over Palestine. There you go. Um, yeah, so 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 Mazzy um, Mazzy had 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 pointed out that um, there this well it's it's Palestine and so there's constantly skirmishes with um, Israel um, and so he 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 pointed out this this person when this this uh, this sort of heating up of, t- of, 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 of violent conflict there was happening, uh, w- was live streaming. And so, so, so we watched the live stream and, 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 all, and you can hear the drones overhead, like the drones are going, and, and so we, we, we ended up sampling that a, a lot of times and, and, and we'd, 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 we'd have imagery of, of uh, Mazzy. Mazzy's a great designer and artist himself. And so he found all these images of, of, of like drones and where they came from. And so a lot of public transit songs are, are named after different uh, drones, military drones, um, and, the, and, and the language around um, military drones. No, we, 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 obviously, we, weren't, we weren't glorifying. We were, we were trying to be critical. I don't know if it fully came, came, came across properly, but we, we, we were not, we're not, um, we're not into drones. We, we think that right. we, we were anti-drones yeah. and, 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 you know, pro-Palestine and, 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 and which does not actually mean anti-Israel, um, you know, um, but uh, yeah, <clears throat> necessarily um anyhow so that and so then i was, did that for a couple of years and then mazzy moved to toronto so uh mazzy had played clarinet and um uh uh he, he's iranian and, and like persian uh, ring drum 
there's this drum that 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 is is in Persian music that's uh, that has all these little metal it, kind of like a it's kind of like a large tambourine and, and it has all these like little metal rings around the outside. Anyway, it sounds beautiful. Um, and 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 so yeah. And uh, anyways, he moved to Toronto. So uh, then Amy McDonald started playing with us on flute and sometimes guitar, or often we'd actually just put a bass guitar on uh, on the floor and uh, stamp around it and it would feedback. So that was a couple of years. And so then, so I guess now we're around 2013, 2014. And that's, I guess, around when I started playing solo and Skin Tone was born. Um, unfortunately, uh, uh, at the beginning, I did a lot more playing bass with my feet. That was something I really loved. I loved to just put, put my bass guitar on the ground and just stamp on it with my, with my feet. I, I took my shoes off, obviously, but, uh, uh but then, you, you know what happened? I, somebody stole my, or, well, I lost, somebody stole, who can say? Uh, I, I know I no longer have a bass guitar. It just it like literally just disappeared one day, and and then I've I've never been able to play the bass with my feet again. Because people get weird when you're like, "Can I step on your bass?" They're like, "No, nope, no, I'll lend you my bass to step on it." Nope, that's not no that does not appeal to me. No, I don't want to do that. Which fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, that's interesting that you bring that up because. Uh... Uh, being a disabled person myself, I'm actually familiar with people who play electric stringed instruments with their feet. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Just as a side note, that's that's uh, that's pretty cool. Mm. I, be, I bet they're 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 more artful with it. I just really liked uh, that, like bass like having the strings kind of loose on the bass, and it gets a good resonance. And then sort of because I used to tap dance, and so that's what like I, I would use it as a rhythmic rhythmic thing and I'd, I'd sometimes even because the metal on the metal strings I sometimes would actually wear shoes and, and tap dance on my bass and that that I thought was an interesting sonic um just the metal meeting the metal right on the contacts was yeah I can imagine so were you incorporating um at the, at the start of skin tone, were you were you incorporating the bass, or was this a direct result of the bass going missing that you became strictly kind of a wood woodwind situation? Yeah, yeah. At the beginning of of skin tone, for sure, the bass was part of it. Um, uh, even yeah, like uh, I think I was I played some kind of show with uh, Ash the Hoots, and um, my my a friend of mine was. Uh, uh, living in Ottawa at the time, and he's like, "Oh, I heard from the Ash the Hutz guy. You were stepping on your bass again." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyways, so yeah, no, it was definitely part of um, part of uh, yeah, no, the the yeah, yeah. It, I I think I I'd slowly been transitioning out of using the like it. It was definitely part of it at the beginning, and then I stopped using it, and then and then um, I I. I, I well, I, st I started making more money, <laughs> so I was able to purchase more pedals, <laughs> and so then I was able to do more with the 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 pedal chain of the saxophone, um, and so I I became a little, and I I guess I was like for a minute I was moving into a more 
uh, ambienty territory, and then and and the bass sonics uh, were, were very percussive and not not so conducive. So I, um, and also I think just you know sometimes you get old and you're tired of carrying all the everything down to the gig with the amp and the bass and the saxophone and the pedal bag and the cable bag and the and you're like oh, what? and then the, the laptop and then it's like okay okay enough is enough i want to carry less things so and then i left my i put my base somewhere and then off it went into the sunset i hope whoever took it is is enjoying it um yeah yeah for sure um well it's, it certainly didn't hold you back at all um um but yeah you you how, how like uh when did you start performing solo as eliza caution I remember, I think the first time I saw you was, I think the the first time I saw you perform live was at this weird office space in St. Henry. That was like some sort of anarchist office space. Could that be Alex's space by any chance? No, it wasn't. It, uh, no, I, I know because it, it wasn't at Fatal, but it was like around there and it was like, they 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 had this like afternoon concert. I think my coworker at the time, um, who's in Claiborne, oh, Maria, was part of organizing it. Um, it's possible. I I played. I used to in my first two years. I kind of said yes to everything. So. Uh, but what? Yeah. So when were the first two years exactly? Um twenty twenty sixteen basically. Okay. Was when I started performing. Um, I had joined a, a punk rock band with Mood called Butcher Baby. Okay, yeah. And we had played one show together at the uh, the Not Your Babe Fest. And then everybody kind of like moved away and moved in their perspective ways. So like you, I was kind of like left without a band. And it was kind of uh, part necessity, part desire to to want to play. And, and one of my early shows, actually, I played with you and Chris at Casa. Mm-hmm. The, the three people and the bartender but that was i remember that being a really fun show yeah yeah that's yeah the, the so that was yeah that would have been with nyan yeah yeah nyan yeah, absolutely yeah yeah chris chris owns a bar in newfoundland now yeah it's pretty wild <laughs> yes uh yeah the things noise can take you <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally um but what and what and like yeah but how long had you been playing like because you when you started butcher baby you already had been playing guitar right um for your for yourself or, or taking lessons as you were growing up or how yeah. did you get into that yeah I, I started playing when I was 11 12 and because of my disability like I had guitars in the house and stuff and I just kind of fumble with them and then like 14, 15, I started taking piano lessons and things kind of started to really uh, sink in as far as like, oh, I can do this. I can practice. Even just learning how to practice, I think, for anybody is is a process, right? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think for disabled people, it's like, it's kind of, it takes a bit longer to get to that place where practicing regularly is, is uh, even possible. But uh, yeah. And did, yeah, did, did you find, did you have um, resistance? Like how, how was it starting to take piano and, and, and play guitar? Like, uh, like 
as a as a as a disabled person did you find that there was uh that was it hard to find teachers who were like understanding or willing to like make accommodations or 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 was that like all just very smooth and easy and and, and people were supportive i'd say it was like kind of 50 50 okay i was lucky in that i i met a really great teacher um this guy named Eldon Albino, who used to be the the steel band director in the in the the Christmas parade back in the eighties. Okay, he's, he's like a he's like a Trinidadian music uh, music professor who passed away like just two years ago. Okay, um, but he used to come to teach in Gahnawaga. I was going to school in Gahnawaga for high school, and uh, he would come and give me private lessons. And he was extremely empathetic to my situation, and very encouraging. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think I grew up around like kids who were just like playing Iron Maiden songs and stuff and they were really cool. Um, it was, I just, I feel like the most resistance and the most kind of eyebrows I get are from like sound people who haven't really heard me yet. Mm. I'm sure you can relate to on so many levels, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call out any, any, any individual sound techs on, on this, on this radio call but I do remember very clearly this uh, a, a situation where I showed up and, and I like to um, like, obviously there's different philosophies about how, how to mic the saxophone, but the saxophone itself is not, people have the sense that you stick a dynamic mic in the bell of the saxophone and that's making a saxophone. Often that's a compromise that people make saxophonists make uh, to the fact that um, that's sort of where the most air pressure comes out of the saxophone. And so that it's maybe, it seems on certain notes, it seems like a good place uh, to put a microphone to get the, um, the diaphragm of the microphone to vibrate. Um, and if you're playing, say you're, you're playing, which would be my dream. If you ever, if you ever start one, call me up. Say you're playing in a ska band, for example, and there's, you know, like a guitar and the drums all around you. You, you know, you can't, you can't have, uh, you know, high, you can't have like high gain condenser mics ar around on the stage because there's, you know, too much sound bouncing around. So you really need to put a dynamic as close to where you're going to get the most pressure. But when you do that, when you put a microphone right into the bell of the saxophone, you're actually cutting off the instrument because the sound of the saxophone doesn't often actually, and especially, well, I mean, it depends on how you play, but um, uh, to some extent, but it, it, it doesn't, it rarely comes out of the bell. The, the only time the sound is actually coming out of the bell is when you're playing the lowest note on the saxophone, which, and because it, it sounds a bit, that note, Anytime you're at the edge range of an instrument, you know, you're not getting the timber of the sound is going to be a bit funny, which yeah. is cool. You know, like I love playing with that and, and getting the deep growls and stuff going. But <clears throat> if you're just, you know, trying to play in a, in a more conventional manner, you, you, you actually don't spend very much time down around the lowest note of the instrument or the highest note of the instrument, like because that, that you know, you're, the tonal qualities of those notes are going to be a bit fishy because it's it's at the edge of the 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 the, the range of the instrument uh so yeah you generally don't spend a lot of time there so it's weird that this convention has been to put 
mics right in the bell because you're, you, you then lose a lot of the, the sound of the higher notes and you're only really getting, you're only really blasting out the lower notes that where the sound is more coming out of the bell and then you get this like boomy tone. And so I, I like to put mics like um, I can, oh, what? Yeah, right. This is for the, I was like, I could show you because we're on video, but we're on video on the radio. So no, I can't show you uh, or I can't show the listeners or whatever. But uh, I like, I tend to put a mic sort of high in front of me and then angled down towards um, towards sort of my mouth. And so it's, it's kind of like more at the height. And I just remember going in <laughs> and, and, and uh, sitting down and I'm like, Oh, is this, is this the mic I, I can use And the sound text? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's your mic. And you know, me adjusting the mic and these, the sound tech just losing it on me. I already placed that mic. What the heck are you doing? Why are you moving the mic around? I placed it. It was perfect. You, and I'm like, Oh, but it wasn't per I, aren't, I think I'm playing this show and, and that's not where the, I want the, no, I'm right. Da, 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 da. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know why we have to fight about this, but like, that's not where I want the mic for my performance that I'm going to do that you aren't going to do. Uh, and this is my instrument. I think I've probably spent more time micing this instrument than you, you have like, like, can we, anyways it's back and forth yelling yelling da, 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 da. and finally finally the sound tech like conceded and and i got to put the mic where i wanted but but it was just so weird because it was like that's where the mic goes and i was like oh no but that's not where i want the mic for yeah performance. like uh that's not where it goes i i don't know uh and You're it's allowed to swear by the way by the way james i'm allowed yeah Okay, okay. The CRTC is not going to... Um, not going to be furious. If you say the F word in the context of a sound man, <laughs> don't hold back. Okay, okay. All I'm saying is don't hold back. Um, uh, yeah, so, yeah, the, the, yeah anyways, it, it, was, it was funny. Um, anyways, that's one of my stories about sound techs that was, like, the most conflicty and but I, I did, I managed to, to win in the end and hold, held my ground and, and got what I, what I, what I wanted to happen. Also, people don't realize they see me show up with the saxophone and, and I, I do spoken word. I, 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 I involve spoken word as well. Like I'll, I'll stop playing the saxophone and talk. So also if the mic is like way down where people think they want to put the mic and it's the bell, then I have to like, <laughs> like, bend over and contort myself in order to talk into the mic and then it's like okay well that yeah i like it up here better um what's one of your worst sound tech stories um nothing actually that bad it's never gotten to a shouting match um luckily because i think that probably would have traumatized me <laughs> um but it's it's usually just a lot of um it's partially the sound people i guess being impatient and also maybe they're having a bad day and we all have bad days. And also I've never been um, the greatest advocate for myself as far as um, putting down on paper what my needs are sonically as a performer. And I feel like that's one of the things, the privileges I have of being able to, to be around CASA and work with you guys and work with Dan and, and all these different people and the different folks over there is that um, I'm, I'm becoming more assertive as far as like what I need 
and don't need, I think, because I think we can probably be bo both relate to this with experimental music. It's almost, it, it, it's almost like a, it, it's, it's different than performing songs. It's different. It's not a recital to me. It's, it's almost, and that's one of the things I got from, from seeing you perform. It's that like, it's this very fragile, almost symbiont like force that's existing in that moment. And I feel like sometimes sound people try and suck the life forms and sterilize those moments to degrees where, where the artistic expression is compromised sometimes. Um, I can't really think of an, any direct moment off the top of my head, but no, I I I I definitely I definitely relate to what you're saying there. It, it yeah, it, it's you, you it's not song one, song two, song three with a you know sort of combat like you're 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 not yeah like like you I think you said it very well. It's not a recital. It's you're, you're creating this this you're trying to create in the room this moment. And 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 the needs of that are sometimes not what would necessarily be considered best practice sonically, um, but they are the needs of that performance in order to get that uh, that to create that atmosphere and to get that um, that situation um, to yeah. work. And this isn't to take anything away from people who are really great sound engineers and sound techs who. This, in no way is this to take away from the professionalism of people who work for Taylor Swift or Kanye West or Kiss or these people who do these giant tours where it's a conveyor belt, you know, as far as like order of operations. But um, I think for, for the, the kind of thing we do in the arenas we perform in, well, the arenas, <laughs> the spaces we perform in, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think we, we should just take up as much space and, and rearrange the, the room as much as we can. Yeah, that, yeah. Often, yeah. Like uh, I know, often I'll 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 jump up. Like if if I'm playing, say at Casa, for example, that's a good example. Uh, I'll I'll like jump off the stage um, during the performance, you, you know, and 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 I'll run around the room, and the sound is like, how are people going to hear you? And I'm like, well, I'll have a pedal chain going through the PA, and the saxophone is an instrument that people generally can hear. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, uh, and, and then they're like, well, yeah, but it won't be, it won't be consistent everywhere in the room. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's, that's exactly the point. That's why I run around the room is because then it changes how people are relating to the sound. Cause there's, it, it isn't consistent and you have to, you know, if it's a packed room, you have to like, wait, look around or like you have to move to, to get close to the sound and, 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 for, and sure. for sure. And I want and different, different licks sound different in different parts of the room, obviously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. 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 Moving. I mean, yeah. So like it's, it's funny cause we're, we, we do streaming now at Sala, right. Um, I don't, if, if, if the viewers don't, I, I work for Swanee Peril Popolo in my day job and, uh, and, and, Every two weeks, we stream out uh, great local music. So uh, go to the swaneeparalpopolo.org website if you want to check out some cool streams. But uh, that room is really fascinating, empty, Salarosa, uh, now that, you know, the shows are happening with no people because you, you yeah, like, there's all these weird parts. Like, it sounds weird all over that room. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of cool to, like, sometimes, like, 
I hear like a loud guitar and yeah and and like you could, yeah like you can play it and you can get the room to resonate from like different spots man. Um, so you're, you're, you're in, you're in Ganawage right now. I'm in Ganesadage. Sadage, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm in Ganesadage currently. Um, is and... there snow there? What's that? There's snow there? Yeah. Yeah. It's snowed. It's, uh, it's kind of melting right now, but, uh, it's starting to get cold. And I think it's, I think we're going to start seeing some accumulation soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's been a it's been a strange, mild winter here, and I keep being like, I want, I just, I, I actually really want it to just snow and be winter. Yeah, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of false starts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I have a couple more questions if you're still if you're still into it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I I just wanted to take it back to 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 your early years and what what's part of the country you were from where did you grow up and uh your initial impressions of of music at an early age and and how did that translate into you starting to to play it and around what time did you pick up pick up the instrument yeah that's that's interesting i i uh i so i i i had i i was raised by my my mom and um and we moved around a, a bit growing up. My mom's an academic, so uh, we lived um, in Guelph, Ontario, for many years, and then um, and then lived in Melbourne, Australia, for a bit, and then uh, lived in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, for for a sort of high school, and then I went to university in, in back east in, 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 in Mount Allison in Sackville, New Brunswick. So, kind of, um, so I, I got I've 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 gotten to really live a lot of different parts of Canada, which is cool. And I, I, I feel very uh, uh, lucky to have had that opportunity. Um, and I started playing music. Like, I guess when I was little, like my mom like did the classic thing and, you know, put me in piano lessons. And so I guess I started playing music when I was like four or five, like, just, you know, little piano lessons or whatever. Um, and I was, oh my I, I, I was not a very diligent <laughs> uh, practicer of piano. I don't, I don't know why I, 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 like, I don't think I, I don't think I actually liked playing the piano, very much. <laughs> but I always said I did, but then I like would never want to practice or anything. And then I was like a little kid. And so my mom had to like make me practice anyway. I don't know. Uh, so I did, I, you know, I had that kind of very, uh, unexceptional kind of um background with music and uh, but i i i feel like i saw gregory hines like the the tap dancer on tv and uh and i was just transfixed i just loved it and then i was obsessed with tap dancing so i i also did like took dance lessons and and i think and in my mind, tap dancing and jazz music were 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 very um, linked together, and so and I think some of this is like I, I'm mixed race and 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 my my mother is 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 what is, is white, and uh, I think that some of my appeal was like for some reasons at some young age it really seared into my mind. I saw like Gregory Hines tap dancing to some sort of jazz, and it was like seeing black people on the TV. And so I got it in my head that 
tap dancing and jazz is what black people did and I'm black people. So I have, I, I need to do that or, or whatever. I don't know what I also, you know, they're, they're, all, they're also great art forms. So I, I'm allowed to just love the art. I don't have to have like a complicated, uh, but, but I do think there was some complicated like racial stuff going on. Uh, so I, uh, so I was really fascinated. And then um, when I, when I started high school um, uh, or in Australia, high school starts at middle school so like grade seven or whatever and so when i started grade seven in uh, uh, australia then there was like a high school band and so i had the the opportunity to um to like pick an instrument and so i uh, i actually really wanted to play the, the boom 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 the, the little, like big oh big upright bass but i think uh the 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 people at the school saw I, you know, I, I'm, I'm still not a very large person. <laughs> I think they were like, this, this, this small child will not be able to even support the weight of a bass, of an upright bass, or even a cello. We must give them a small instrument for a small little baby child. And, uh, and so I, 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 my, my second choice was the, uh, the alto, or was the saxophone. And so then they, they gave me the alto saxophone and then, uh, and uh, and then I I you know I I loved the saxophone and I I played that for um, all through high school and such and then I went to university and moved to well as I said Sackville New Brunswick and uh, this was the early two thousands at that point like two thousand five two thousand six and and you know it was it was an indie rock world out there. Uh, I th- I think there was an indie rock world everywhere, maybe, but like you know, definitely in rural New Brunswick, it was uh, a college town in rural New Brunswick was definitely indie rock, and I uh, I didn't play music again till I moved to Kingston, and then and then I started uh, that uh, yeah that weird noise project with Nevin because there was just no space in Sackville for for what I was interested what I would have been interested in doing musically like. Uh, you know the the music scene that was there was was very um very yeah very indie rock oriented and and indie folk and and it was you know rural and so it was very folk oriented and 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 so and there you know at the time i didn't have the language or or the or the 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 anyway there's just there was definitely just no space for harsh noise no one would have known what to do with it. So um, I didn't do anything with it. And then, yeah, but then I was lucky to work with this guy at the radio station in Kingston where I went after university, um, Nevin and he, and we, we put together this noise project and then, yeah. And then I, I started playing and, and performing and, and, and it became a real, really important part of my life and, and who I am. And I, it, it like, like if ever I'm feeling like I'm just like in a really bad mood and feeling really crabby and like out of it and stuff. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, I haven't played saxophone in like a week. Like, Oh, like, it's just like, it's, it's like, okay. It's, it's not a replacement for seeking real um, mental health support and, and therapy. And so I'm, I'm not trying to say that, um, that people shouldn't um, get the professional aid that they, that, 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 that is benefiting them. And I'm not trying to say that like I'm somehow like healed of all my trauma because I, cause I play music or whatever, but there is something I find 
relieving and therapeutic about playing the saxophone um and 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 there's a there's always like yeah a, re a release and 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 often if i'm having trouble getting my head right um playing the saxophone often writes it fixes my not doesn't fix my head but like helps me be yeah yeah for sure no i can so relate to that because i tend to notice that too when i'm not practicing often or i I'm lackadaisical with my playing and I let seven or eight days go by without playing. I get into this headspace where all my problems are somebody else's fault and it's, and it's my husband's problem and all these other things. And then I realize, Oh, I need to calm down and like, just play some music and just get centered. And like, like you said, it's, it's no, it's no substitute for, you know, different mental illnesses or traumas or whatever, but it's, it's, it's such a, a, a light in, in, in life to be able to perform music and such a such a therapeutic experience um i just wanted to 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 expand on that question real quick and and uh take it into experimental music real quick like at what point did you ex uh were you exposed to experimental music were there artists you look up to or was it was it part of being into saxophone that led you to that genre or vice versa or or how did that come about for you um uh so that's yeah that's uh that's yeah i'm i'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure i i feel like i've i'm always had a bit of a i don't know contra i I've, I've i've always been a big listener like i've listened to to lots of stuff i've always been a music fan and um discovering in my teen years uh, community radio like CKUT that we're, we're speaking on now but in in my context I'm thinking specifically of CJSR out there in Edmonton um, uh, like finding that and finding and just hear it like uh, community radio definitely is a big thing that exposed me to lots of different kinds of music and I think like and and to find to be able to like tune in and listen to those platforms and hear all the different things that 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 can happen there and 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 are made uh made possible by community radio and and just like the the outer limits of sound i just like i've always liked like loved all music and that that, oh, that sounds so cool. I, I i i've always been engaged by lots of different kinds of music and then at a certain point um if you listen to lots of music the 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 conventions of music uh I feel like most people who are into experimental music, and maybe this isn't true for everyone, but I feel like most people are are just are really it comes from just a love of music overall. And then at a certain point, you're like, okay, yeah, I get song structure, but now I want to listen to something that's going to surprise me, <laughs> or listen to something that's going to that's that 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 breaks the rules because the the music is. I mean, I, I, I try not to play it this way and, 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 and I try to pretend to put this out of my head, but, you know, there's something fundamentally mathematical and fundamentally structured and, 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 and regimented about music. It, it's, it, it just, it is, you know, I, if I play X note, then there's like a mathematical relationship for you to play like the same note or a note that sounds good with it. And then some notes aren't going to sound good with it. And some notes are good. And it, and it just like, you know, it is, it is what it is. So, I, so then you, then I found myself drawn to like the weirder outsider 
sounds towards the end of high school and towards the and and, and at the beginning of of my university years and 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 then when I started working in community radio I I, I had a, an opportunity to like have access to the big music libraries but also had a platform to like play and and share and 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 a reason to research um, weirder musics and and, and outsider musics and, and um and also, you know, j- like jazz has always had a wing of 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 of, of challenging, challenging uh, music or, or or challenging sort of boundaries and boxes that music was put into that that kind of protest and that kind of rebellion has 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 a, has a long history, uh, deeply intertwined into the fabric of of, of jazz music. So definitely uh, that I think.
ever get to the future. Everything that happens just happens over and over and over again. Sun Ra said it best. The world is the world, the way the world is because of all the things that people have already done. The only thing we should ever try to do is the impossible. Thank <laughs> you.
And we are back. Uh, just a reminder, um, if you'd like to make a donation to If You've Got Ears and CKUT, you can do so at ckut.ca. You can also uh, give us a call at 514-448-4013. Before we get back to the second part of the conversation, uh, here is um, James Goddard's uh, project Skin Tone um, with Butchering the Sun God from June 2017 on CQT, if you've got ears. Can I ask, like, how did you, like, because you were saying when you were growing up and you started taking guitar uh, that everyone was just playing, like, Iron Maiden and stuff. Like, how, so how, how, did, how did you come to experimental music? How did you uh, uh, get away from Iron Maiden? Or maybe not get away from Iron Maiden, but find something outside of Iron Maiden? <laughs> Um, I think, um, I think what happened was for me, because I have, for those of you who may not be familiar with me listening, I have one hand, I was born with one hand. So part of my learning process of just being able to do conventional things on the guitar came from a lot of experimenting with unconventional ways of getting conventional sounds, I guess, because I've had to adopt different a different style of playing so I was kind of performing experimental music in my bedroom since I was a teenager since I was like 12 years old I didn't know what that was though you know what I mean because I was trying to sound like Iron Maiden Mm. Uh, and then I kind of got into Sonic Youth and then eventually uh, Miles and Coltrane and that kind of I kind of started to put stuff together and and I don't know if you remember like the Mars Volta was really big this is like late 2000s like 2010s I was still in high school and they had elements of improv and stuff like that um yeah so yeah I don't know and then and then I can remember being into techno and then techno being kind of connected to noise and thinking noise was this really obnoxious white people kind of music that I, I wasn't allowed to participate in and then I started getting into noise because I felt like it was dangerous because it wasn't for me and that there was this kind of strange attraction to it. And I think around the, the the two or three years that I was getting into noise was when I had seen you play. And that that kind of like clicked where it was like, oh, like experimental music is for minorities and is for not necessarily rich white boys from Berlin. Not that they make bad experimental music. Um, well, I, you know, that's, it's interesting because there, there, there's definitely experimental music has a whiteness problem let's just put put that right there out on the table and 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 say it say it how it is because there firstly a lot of stuff that could be experimental music isn't called experimental music or isn't conceived of an approach like experimental music because it's not made by white people and 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 so there there, there's something wrong there and I, i don't know I don't know how to fix it or like my attempt to fix it is just to like insert myself (laughs) into the space and be like, but I, and I also think that on some extent, like whiteness is hurting experimental music and hurting noise because you do have this problem where it becomes, Oh, these are people who don't actually necessarily have something to say. So if you're going to be playing with the, the, the the edges of like the boundaries of what sound can do I, I i it can become a problem if you don't have something to say with that 
if, if you're not talking about anything. And I, I have found in, in, in my life that I'm, I'm less and less interested in the experimental music for experimental music's sake that or or like you know the like harsh noise for harsh noise sake i'm like okay because i i definitely work hard in in my music and i think you do too to use to use noise to talk about something to use noise to represent uh conflict or 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 some you know the some of the darker aspects of 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 humanity and 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 to and to talk and to to address some of the heavier issues and darker things that that happen in the world uh, and, and in my case specifically to to black people and i and, and i know you you use samples from the oka crisis and, and and a lot of your work talks about specifically uh you know the the history of um of the the mohawks in in, in kanastake and um and uh uh and i think that okay not 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 to be arrogant or whatever but i think that that makes our music more interesting and makes it sound better somehow even though obviously the conceptualization doesn't necessarily have to do with with the sonics i think that like having that framework also gives people a way to understand why why things need to sound extreme and sometimes just the like putting a contact mic on a buzzsaw just to like make a lot of noise it's like at this point or i mean no there's definitely creative people out there who are going to find new ways to make sound and new sounds to make and 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 that and there that's that's true Uh, i don't think i'm necessarily going to be one of them um and most people aren't going to be one of them so it's like yeah, we know what it sounds like when you put a contact mic on a buzzsaw. Like 30 people have done that already. And they've only ever played it to in rooms of 30 people, but you know they they they've done it. That that's that's the reality of noise and like experimental music. So it's like if you're going to do that, now now you need to go I feel like this is a step that uh, that a lot of that some noise musicians haven't taken. So it's like now it's time you have to take that next step because noise music there's conventions to it now <laughs> and so it it's not a it, you can't just push the boundary for the sake of pushing the boundary because it's not even pushing a boundary anymore it, it it there's a form and there's a there's a box for it so then it's like what are you i feel like a lot of artists need to sit down and think like okay i'm making this sounds these sounds are painful what am i what is what what am i doing with them why am i making them now like let's bring a bit of sophistication into our reflection on experimental music and 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 why we're doing it um as opposed to just like you know absolutely anyways maybe i'm i'm being too derogatory of of no i i think that's a that's an excellent point and i think it's something that we've both experienced. So it's, it's not like we're, we're coming out of nowhere with these, with these ideas. Um, kind of on that tip too, you, it's mentioned before that, that you've, you've been booking shows here for almost, we could say almost a decade, right? We were Put on my first show in, in ever in the world when I was like 15 years old. It was like a food bank fundraiser because you could like rent the hall and rent this PA 
from the store for cheaper if it was a like benefit concert or something so it was like one of those classic Edmonton Hall shows it was a punk show and it was like you know five dollars with a donation to the food bank or six dollars if you didn't bring a donation to the food bank and so that's how it was a fundraiser or whatever um and i think maybe like the extra money like the one dollar if you didn't bring a donation went into a tin that didn't get donated to the food bank but got donated to food not bombs and uh and so then i was like yeah 15 16 when i did that so i'm 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 oh i'm 34 now I'm pretty sure I'm, yeah, I'm 34 now. So I've been, I've, I've booked, been booking shows for like 15, 16, 17 years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like 18 years, <laughs> like most of my life at this point. Um, Cause yeah, so I, I yeah I, I did a little small bookings in, in when I was in high school, and then when I lived in Sackville, I, I actually we ran a house with like we anyway Sackville's a really weird place, but we we ran a we ran a venue out of our house, um, and we because we lived in this, it, it was technically not termed a house; it was termed an estate because the property was so large. Uh, but there was like eight of us who lived in this like big old big old shipwrights mansion, and um, and. Uh, yeah, we we so we we used to throw these we 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 would throw shows all the time um, in the house and uh, and then uh, yeah and then I yeah booked shows at a couple of DIY spaces in in Kingston Ontario there was a really really vibrant space called the Artel and then um, there was a, a a building called the Mansion that actually famously Dan Aykroyd had owned at some point and uh, uh, and 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 used to have like the Blues Brothers car was like in the wall that's wild there must have been some serious ghosts in that room yeah well or, or maybe he busted all the ghosts and the- <laughs> <laughs> well um yeah so just just on that tip real quick I, closing out the interview here i just want to ask your thoughts on maybe if you've seen any changing of the landscape specifically in alternative music venues in the last 10 years as far as getting um, seeing more visibility, Black performers, Indigenous performers, South American performers. Um, how has, have you seen any shift both in attendance in the audience and, and on the stage? And, and how much do you think in the future, how, how much has the internet facilitated a lot of these changes that we've, we've kind of uh, mm-hmm. witnessed, in, in your opinion? That, yeah, so that's, that's interesting. Definitely like there there are conversations that happen now that i like even even just i remember when i was starting out um uh to perform as skin tone um uh just before that i believe casey majika uh uh was was quit music and um uh um Magia, I think, uh, um, was quitting music from the from the Toronto um, indie rock scene. I'm I'm, I'm blanking on Obiju, I think, was the the band name, and um, and she wrote this sort of open letter about why she was quitting music and getting out out of it. Um, and again, her, her project was more 
more sort of straightforwardly uh, indie rock and, and, and indie folk. But um, but but she was uh, she was very um, clearly um, racialized. And 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 she 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 really openly discussed she, why she was leaving music was because of the way in which uh, her, her her racialization impacted the way people talked about her music in a way that wasn't connected to the music itself, and and so there was this sort of tokenization and, and, and fetishization going on. Um, that was that was leading sort of music journalists astray, and so when I start when I started playing a skin tone, I made the conscious decision to to call the project Skin Tone because I was like, this is going to be part of the conversation that I'm playing this music. Like the fact that I'm black and the fact that I'm playing music, like the it it, it there's no way I can pretend like I will even be able to possibly pretend that it's not going to be part of the conversation or related or somehow uh so i was just like if if i then i'm gonna i'm gonna take control of the conversation and i'm gonna set the terms of debate and i'm gonna i'm gonna make it i'm gonna control that insofar as i can um and i and i like i i i, I yeah it's it, it it's it's changed so much like there's yeah it's changed so much i think that um uh the fact the the fact of the matter is that there's even even now like uh you it, it's hard to get a grant it's harder to get a grant if you don't incorporate people uh with diverse identities into your projects and like that that's unheard that would have been unheard like that, that was not the people i like White people didn't realize how white independent music in Canada was, or maybe they did, um, but they, they, but it, 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 it's easy to, when you're not the only one in the room, it's easy to forget that there's no one else. Like, uh, no, let me try and say that better. Like, I always know I'm the only black dude at the indie rock show, or I'm not, not the only one, but I always knew when I was the only black dude at the indie rock show. And you feel like you're the only black dude at the indie rock show. Like that's that. That, that's that's what's going on um and and that has a weight to it and a heft to it if you're a white person you don't notice that there's no black people at the indie rock show because <laughs> there's no there's no weight to that that you don't feel that it doesn't weigh on you it doesn't present and you don't notice if there's no you know indigenous people like you don't notice that you're standing in a, when you're white you don't notice that you're standing in a room full of white people um you might notice if there is a non-white person, and that's part of why that is make becomes weird. But like, I yeah, like I, I think that the people were not were not even ready or aware or like paying attention to 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 to, the, to those dynamics. Obviously, there have always been people, and there's always been a back and forth, and um, and 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 people have challenged um those norms and 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 stuff um. And so there, there, like I think people of color have always had long been having that conversation um, since. Uh, but uh, but something has definitely switched in, um, yeah, in the last five to ten years, th from what I've seen that 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 um, even white people are now noticing that they're 
in rooms full of white people and questioning why that is and try and and trying to well-intentionally not always with the best circumstance but trying to figure out how to make that not be the case and how and 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 i think that uh that that's been it's been interesting to to watch that happen because yeah like i when like that was like when i yeah that wasn't even something that i i thought could ever happen that white people themselves would become concerned about the whiteness of indie rock or whatever or independent music or and DIY music and stuff. And, and, and it, 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 it had that there had, there has seemed to have been some reflection happening and some, and some, um, and, and, and people are starting to have those conversations. I don't, I don't know. Um, the, I think there's, there's still a level. I, I, I do think it's, it's changing, but I, I do still feel like there, there's a level, um, I think on the, on the on the side of performance things are getting a lot better and a lot faster because that's like way easier to control is just like if you diverse like diversify your booking like make an effort to to book people of color make an effort to book uh I mean even the, like queer people to to make an effort to book um obvious like I mean this is a conversation that maybe we 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 run out of time to have but one of the one of the uphill battles that I that I that I'm I'm, I'm, I still don't know. I'm still not great at it. And, and, and I don't know is like, there's no accessible venues in Montreal. There, 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 there's two, the Ritz and Casa del Popolo of a sort of small size. Those are the two Casa del Popolo. I work there and I'm, I'm going to just going to say it. It meets the letter of accessibility, like, like the, the legal code of what, it means to be accessible but when it's ram jam packed in there i don't think that that would be a comfortable space for a wheelchair user um uh, i i'm i i i i guess i shouldn't project but i i as 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 an able-bodied person i find it difficult to navigate that space when it's full so i can't imagine what it would be to if if i had a had barriers or otherwise li- limits to my mobility and so the so those are the two accessible venues, and then brasserie. We kind of we, we 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 have a ramp that we can put out, but we can't leave it out all the time because um, because the the city and and stuff like that. Um, so you know, we we try when when we can and and how we can, but and but that's it's also there's there's no money in that space, and so uh, but. Uh, so but there is but even though those venues are nominally accessible i think the ritz is more successful at being physically accessible than 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 the other two um there's not a single accessible stage so what is that saying that's saying that wheelchair users can't ever be performers because no stages have 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 ramps up onto the stage and 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 that's something that that has been thinking about and and like you know i think that that's the that's the next not to say that we're done with the race and the gender and the sexuality stuff like those problems are not resolved and they still persist and and you know it's incrementally getting better and i think you know definitely people who put on shows and put on events are, are taking more care in their curation to ensure that 
um, the, the rosters that they curate are diverse. And, and I think, so I think that work is happening, but I think that there's still, still something um, about audiences. I think that still lots of people of color, even if they see that there are people of color playing and stuff. I mean, I think that helps are, are intimidated or are unsure, or as you said, like they assume that's some, Thing that white boys from Berlin do that's that's not for you that they, they, they even if you're maybe curious you're like oh yeah but it's not for me and I I there still needs to be more work to I think because I think the audiences that I see at a lot of shows don't necessarily reflect the diversity of Montreal um and 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 I I I, I wonder how how to go about maybe making it more representative and seeing more different faces and, and introducing people. But, uh, but yeah, no, but I think that there's a huge problem in Montreal where we need, like, the, we need to, we need to fix this physical, like we, the, uh, like there needs, I, I do, I know that a lot of spaces have, have, we've lost a few spaces during the pandemic, but the spaces that we get back, I sincerely hope that that we replace the spaces we lost with physically accessible spaces because I think that that's a that's a huge problem and that that and and it's really really just just bad for everyone. Right on. Right on. Um I have a couple more things we could get into but maybe we could do a part 2 at another time. I yeah. think we need to set that up. Cool. Yeah. This has uh, this has been really fantastic, James. I really, really thank you for your time and, and being so generous with that. And uh, for the for the the playlist section, I, I selected two pieces that I'd like to play from from your catalog, if that's cool. The first being um, such such loathsome work. Okay, which is one of my favorite things on 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 the skin tone uh, page. And the other one I thought that would be fitting um, since we're both cast of people and we're missing live performances and also performing like specifically in the, in the room, the cast of room that is now currently a store. So all you people out there, get your Christmas shopping done, Pablo press, support Casa, support Kiva and Moro. Beautiful, Um, beautiful shirts, beautiful cards, beautiful books and cribbage boards. Yeah. Yeah. So I selected um, butchering, uh, the Sun God, which, which I guess is a live performance from Casa, um, I guess from two years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I just I just wanted to put that out there to, to for some of the people who are kind of missing the skin tone live experience or the cast live experience. And and um, but I would say that uh, uh, just to 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 make sure that everyone gets properly uh, credited, butchering the sun god was a live performance that was recorded and uh, recorded by uh, CKU Tier and and Casa Stalwart uh, Stefan Christoph. Oh, fantastic! Love Stefan. Yeah, he's a he's a huge champion of 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 all sorts of local music and and political causes and 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 just a real um real asset to the city and the, and, the, and the cultural sector in the city and also i i guess such loathsome work uh, is actually a duet uh between myself and 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 and, and alex pelshack um, cool 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 hey james do you have a band camp or any yeah yeah i have a, i have i have uh there yeah skin uh, yeah i ha- uh yeah you can if you go to bandcamp it's uh it's uh 
both my Bandcamp and my 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 SoundCloud are are sort of the same. It's skin and then the numeral zero tone. And if you if you if you look that if you if you look that up on on Bandcamp, uh, that that that's me. And if you look that up on SoundCloud, that's also me. You are listening to CKT 90.3 FM. This is If You've Got Ears, the Eliza Caution Takeover special funny drive episode. Uh, thanks very much for um, thanks very much to Eliza for taking the time to do this uh, with the radio station and uh, James for taking the time uh, to have the conversation. Uh, we're going to uh, run things down with a playlist uh, put together by Eliza, some of uh, her favorite Montreal musicians. It's an incredible playlist. Remember CKUT.ca to make a donation or give us a call 514-448-4013. Thank you for listening.
Go. 
Didn't even try 